What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. My name is Tom Westerholm, joined today by Chris Grenham, and we are going to talk about the Celtics avenging their early season loss to the Raptors. The Celtics beat the Raptors 104 to 88 on Wednesday. Another really impressive defensive performance by the Celtics. And Grenham, why don't you kind of get us started? We're going to go through three takeaways apiece. Well, what stands out to you first? So one of my first takeaways is regarding Jason Tatum. It's easy to have Jason Tatum takeaways after any game just because it's such a focal point. He was cold again, but I don't really think his stat line shows the kind of game he had because I do think he had a pretty solid game. And watching him, he kind of you know was able to make his teammates better. He was three assists shy of a triple-double, only two turnovers. I thought he did a good job of kind of getting into the teeth of Toronto's defense at times. He's a little more physical than he's been for stints early in the season. So the fact that, you know, he's shooting roughly 30%, 33% from the field, not having his greatest game, yet he's still, you know, able to put up 12 rebounds, seven assists, kind of keep the flow of the offense going. That's kind of major, major, that has major importance, especially without Jalen Brown. Like you need him to be able to do that on an off night. And I thought he was really good. You know, earlier in his career, Jason Tatum starts off cold like he did. It's flat for the rest of the game. There's nothing there. But I thought he did a really good job of kind of keeping the offense moving in a night where he didn't really have it on the scoring end. Yeah, if Jason Tatum becomes like a pick-your-poison passer, scorer, it's a complete game changer. You know, we've been talking about how not every superstar needs to have the ball in his hands. And I still think to an extent – I don't think he should be bringing the ball up every time. Like, I don't think he should be a primary handler. But at the same time, if he can get into the teeth of the defense and if he can kick out, especially how well the Celtics are playing. I mean, Scalabrini keeps pointing out in the broadcast how good this team is when they drive and kick. Like, they're moving the ball really well. Tatum was physical. He was getting into the paint. When they get those paint touches and they get those kickouts and then the ball starts rotating and guys are open, I mean, especially with Romeo Langford hitting threes and like, you know, just like certain, I mean, Richardson hitting threes at a reasonable clip. Like, yeah, I thought Tatum's performance was really encouraging largely because like you said, in previous games, if he doesn't have it going, then he's, you know, he's like the Celtics are just kind of out of luck. Wasn't the case last night. Yeah. I also think a lot of this comes down to Tatum's just improved ability to make the right read and be patient and make the right read. Like in the third quarter, there was a couple stints where Toronto fell back into his zone and they throw Tatum in the middle of that zone just to kind of break it up. And it worked really, really well early on. Toronto didn't stay in it for crazy long, but when they were able to throw Tatum in the middle, he was patient when they get the ball inside to him and he was able to make the right read more often than not. And that's just not something he really had in his game a couple of years ago, um, even at times last year. So the fact that if you're down a guy like Jalen, you can throw Tatum in the middle of the zone to break things up. Like it, it certainly opens things up. Tatum's a perfect zone breaker. Like, oh, it's yeah. Like, oh yeah. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember how, like if Duke used him as that much. Um, I hope they did because if not, Krzyzewski was really missing out there. It would have been a real Jim Beheim headache. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, so let's get into the defense a little bit. That's my first takeaway here. The defense was incredible. Uh, held the Raptors to 88 points. I, I looked it up last night. The Celtics have held opposing teams to fewer than 90 points three times this season, and they are one of just three teams that has done that. No team, incidentally, has held a team below 80 twice. That's the, the Celtics, the only team who's done that. So if you look at the defense over the last two weeks, it is, it's really impressive. They are cleaning the glass has the Celtics up to seventh 
in defense, like in, uh, you know, points allowed per 100 possessions. I mean, that's, that's up from, they were like in the high twenties after the first like seven or eight games of the season. Now they're up to seventh. And in the last two weeks, they have the second best defense trailing only golden state as the Celtics look more like themselves or, or more like the team that Ime Udoka wants them to be. They're allowing just 100.2 points per hundred possessions, which is just in, in the modern NBA, that is really, really good. Schematically, when you watch, like it looks like guys are kind of communicating better. It looks like guys are shifting to the right places. I mean, it just basically looks like the Celtics are being a little bit more picky and choosy when they when they switch and when they don't switch. The pieces are moving a little bit more fluidly, a little bit more instinctually. And like we as in us, but we also as in kind of like the Celtics community at, at large, we're probably a little too harsh on the Celtics defense in the first couple. I mean, it is a completely new defensive system. You know, they are trying to learn a bunch of new concepts on the fly. And now it's starting to look like they've figured them out. If this is what this team is going to look like, Ime is going to be a heck of a defensive coach. Yeah, this is kind of what we were looking for when yep. this team put together a defensive-centric roster. But you're right. It's it's early, so you know improvements and adjustments are to be expected, and they've just looked so much better of late. I think you're right about the picking and choosing in terms of switching. There was just – it was a little too overarching early on, and they were getting taken advantage of at times. And so, again, it's tough to really read into. I haven't – We've rewatched a lot of these games in terms of trying to figure out what they are doing, picking and choosing with switching, but I think it has worked quite a bit. I mean, it's funny you talk about their rankings along with some of the other uh, best defenses in the league. The defensive ratings as a whole just look so much different this year compared to other years. And I think a lot of that has to do with the NBA drifting a little closer to the FIBA rules as they were in years past. And the offensive numbers are down a little bit, but I've enjoyed it actually quite a bit. Like it's been very fun to watch, but I agree. Like they've been really communicative. You can tell they shouted out Rob Williams, who we'll talk about Rob, but they shouted out Rob Williams post game kind of quarterbacking the defense. And I thought he's been really good as that, as that like last line of defense in a sense when things do break down, but um, that's going to be my second takeaway. So we could talk about him after, but I, uh, yeah, I just think the Celtics have come out with a lot of energy too on defense, which is, sort of a generalization, but it's really noticeable like early on because they were flat for a while in in first and second quarters earlier this season. The reason it's so important to have a good defense is to buy yourself some breathing room, right? right? Like you look at last night, Tatum was seven for 22 from the floor, 22 shots, 20 points. That's bad. Like, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I'm like, he had like a nice game, seven assists and all that. He had a really bad shooting night. And, and last season that would have doomed the Celtics because they needed Tatum to be like a 45, 50 point scorer to win comfortably. Like play in game, he had to have 50 points for them to barely beat the Wizards. Wizards said, were Wizards were a wagon last year. I said barely. <laughs> you know, like Dennis Shooter, seven turnovers against a Raptors team that feasts in transition. Last season, those things would have doomed the Celtics. But because they were awesome defensively, Rob Williams' putbacks were enough. His smart having six assists and zero turnovers was enough that all these things that were actually good in the offense can be taken as positives because the defense was good. That's really interesting going forward. They That raises their ceiling significantly if they have a good defense. The floor, I think, is still established by Jalen and Jason, but the ceiling is... No, I, I couldn't agree more. It just minimizes the concerns you have on offense. The concerns are still there, but they're significantly less so 
when you are able to hold these teams under 100 points, like you're right, that breathing room, that's the perfect way to say it. It gives you so much more breathing room. You watch Big Mouth? Yeah. The uh, the depression kitty in like, I think it was like <laughs> season three. The offensive struggles seem like a big thing, but if your defense is good, then the offensive struggles, it's just a little kitty. It's just, it's just a little, a little cat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if the defense is bad. And <laughs> the Celtics offense really is the big depression kitty. So, uh, season, my, by the way, I'm, I'm about halfway through. I haven't started it yet, but I do. I did see there was a new season. Uh, my second takeaway is going to be Rob Williams. He was fantastic. We've talked about him a lot on the podcast. He has been good for a lot of their down games, even this season, like quietly putting up very productive stat lines. He cleaned up on the class. I think the Celtics as a whole just came out with a lot more energy, which is something that the Celtics, I think led by Rob Williams, were really, really energetic. He had 16 points, 13 rebounds. He had eight offensive rebounds. That's the second most in the NBA this year. Jonas Valanciunas had nine in the game which is the most, but he kind of feasted on Toronto's smaller lineups. If you can have him quarterback in the defense kind of like you did last night, and like Josh Richardson said, Marcus Smart said, they were speaking pretty highly of Rob and Rob's development after the game. Like, that's a huge, huge plus. And even for little stints when things weren't going particularly well on offense, Rob was there. Rob's ceiling is so high, so this isn't solely his game, but Rob is that guy who – when things aren't going particularly well, you need him to be that backbone and clean up on the offensive glass or be the last line of defense on defense. And I think last night he was the guy who really was the sturdy backbone because it wasn't perfect for the Celtics all night, but Rob was there as kind of that sturdy hold. And I thought he did a great job of that. And I think if the Celtics can have him more often than not be that guy to sort of save the day in a sense, they're going to be in pretty good shape. And I thought he did a great job of that last night. The the pressure that he puts on the rim as a pick and roll option, it really amplifies the other offensive weapons the Celtics have. Because last, so last night the Raptors had to deal with, they had to deal with Jason Tatum and they did a pretty good job by, you know, doing their kind of packing the paint. But it's just a lot harder to deal with Tatum and, you know, Dennis Schroeder and X, Y, and Z. And also here comes the big guy crashing down the paint. You know, if you've dealt with everybody else, chances are you're out of position for the rebound. And Rob Williams was in position for the rebound. He may after the game said that he's been talking to Rob about trying to have him crash the glass a little bit more, trying to have him attack those offensive rebounds and do a little bit more work there. And, and Rob seems to have embraced that. It's funny. You know, I don't, I personally don't always really value offensive rebounds. Like I'm just kind of like, eh, I feel like it'd be better to, to get back on, on defense. I mean, it worked really well last night. Rob was great in that area. I think some of that also comes down to, yeah, Emea has focused and kind of harped on that at times, but I also think some of that comes down just to Rob's improving basketball IQ because the Raptors open up with a bunch of guards and wings. Celtics have two centers out there, so it's kind of an interesting matchup. And then Rob is just crashing the boards relentlessly because I'm a lot bigger than these guys. I could probably grab a ton of second-chance points, and it worked early on. Like They had to go to Precious pretty quickly to just get a little size Inside, so I think it's another plus that Rob is is jumping all over mismatches like that because that's something that he probably wouldn't have done a couple of years ago. Precious, who shows flashes, but then pisses off Speed Mikhailu so bad that Mikhailu just like refuses to pass to him. Yeah, pretty funny. It's a funny dynamic there. 
I think it was Bill Simmons who used to talk about like, you know, what he brought to the table and what he took off the table. And I feel like Precious definitely brings plates, brings some forks, but absolutely takes away some spoons and knives. Oh yeah. He makes sure he has most of the spoons. (laughs) (laughs) I do see it though with Precious. I do see it a little more so than I did. Like I liked him more than you, you and I were both a little hesitant about Precious. I was real low on him. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was a little bit higher, but I do see it. Like I, yeah. if he fits into the right system, I, I do see it a little more so than I did at Memphis. No, I agree completely. Definitely undervalued him a little bit. Yeah, same here. Before we do our next takeaway, why don't you give our uh, little shout out to our friends over at Shades On? Yes, always want to shout out our friends at the Shades On Beer Company. They are the makers of the Geno Time Stout, which is our favorite Shades On Beer Company product. But there's plenty of other Shades On products that you should keep an eye out for if you're in New England, they have their beer garden and tasting room down in West Kingston, Rhode Island. So if you're a Celtics fan in Rhode Island, go check it out. Try the Geno Time Stout. Try Juice Fountain 3, plenty of their other delicious products. And keep an eye out for the Geno Time Stout in the Boston area. There's plenty of liquor stores and, and uh, package stores around here that carry it. So keep an eye out for all Shades on Beer Company products. But of course, the Geno Time Stout, which we are pretty biased toward here on the Geno Time Podcast. My next takeaway... I did. I, I think it's worth giving Marcus Smart his uh, his due. If you take away the last like minute and a half of the Mavericks game, two nice games in a row. Mm-hmm. I know it's hard to take away uh, th- that last two minutes, but I just think you know he's really been playing his role nicely. He's he's been a nice defensive anchor. I think the Schroeder and Smart lineups are kind of interesting because like Smart so badly wanted to be the point guard, but he doesn't have that same get to the rim like really make defenses panic thing that Schroeder does. So. I, I do kind of like the dynamic of those lineups, even with some of the floor spacing issues. That said, I, I do think it's, it's worth noting after like Smart's detractors just had like, you know, open season on him for the last like, you know, two weeks. He's looked pretty good the last two games, minus that one stretch against Mavericks. And he looked like quite good last night. Like I said before, six turnovers or uh, six assists, no turnovers, N- nothing like, you know, out of pocket in terms of shot selection had the, the late three-pointer, and defensively, he was great. I just thought that, uh, that that was worth noting. Yeah, I think it's important to note because we've been all over smart, just like everyone has early on. So I think it is important to note this nice little stretch outside of the end of the Dallas game. But he was good. I'm still – you're right. The Schroeder smart lineups have been better, and there's improvements that have come along. Like we saw flashes of it early against Houston with those two getting comfortable together, and – there was like bits and pieces against other opponents, but now it seems like they are relatively comfortable being out there together, which is good because the smart as the guy, the point guard, the facilitator hasn't really played out. I think the way they would have imagined, but I'm still a little skeptical of those lineups just because of the lack of spacing. I think there's some teams that are, you know, really sharp defensively that are going to take big time advantage of that. That still concerns me. That being said, he has been good. Like he's been really solid. He's limited his turnover his last couple of games and something Schroeder hasn't done. But I think it's a it's a bright spot that those two are getting comfortable with one another because with inevitable injuries, they're gonna have to play alongside each other. And he's been really good defensively. He quietly had kind of a down defensive year last year, honestly, for his standards. So he's been he's been really good, which has been a nice, a nice bright spot. Yeah, and you can't downplay that because again, like we were just saying. I think the key to this team is being good defensively for them to win games. Like, especially early in the season, like you just can't know what you're going to get from Jason Tatum night to night, which 
weird thing to say, man. But uh, yeah. absent any certainty as to what you're going to get from Tatum, and um, right now absent Jalen Brown, like so much of it comes down to the defensive end. And like whatever you think of Marcus Smart, he's a heck of a defender. Smart is part of these defensive lineups that are working so well. My third takeaway is going to be a little backtracking on my part because I got on Josh Richardson quite a bit early on in the season. And I don't think he was very good at all, but without Jalen Brown, the last two games, Richardson has been pretty good. Last night he had 15 points. He was five and nine from the field, two or four from three, couple steals block. Like he's been pretty productive. And those are the guys you do need to step up when Jalen or Jason are out I just want to give a little credit to Josh Richardson because I was pretty tough on him early in the year. And I think he's had a nice two game stretch here, something that I know they lost in Dallas, but has been important to the Celtics staying in these games and kind of really gave him a lift last night against Toronto. It is kind of funny how we treat the Mavericks game. Like it was basically a win. Like they did, but like it was, I didn't watch it. I didn't watch it live, but rewatching it, this is bad. This is pretty good. <laughs> the, the last stretch of the fourth quarter. Ugh. But, yeah, but, but uh, you know. yeah, I mean, so it's kind of funny because like since I, I think the, the game where we were toughest on Richardson was first Wizards game where he was like zero for zero with zero points and zero assists and he's not existed. But, you know, since then, you know, he's had, you know, he's been okay. The, Ime talked about it last night. I mean, he's used this phrasing probably 400 times this season, but he said, you know, we know what we have with Josh Richardson. We know what we have with Dennis Schroeder. And like, that really does seem to be a huge thing with NBA coaches. Cause like Brad never said that, but you could tell that's what he was thinking when he played all the veterans ahead of the young guys. And like, you know, I mean, let's see what happens. I, I think the Celtics are making a mistake by not developing their, their young players. But if this continues, you know, if these defensive numbers can hold personnel wise, you would think they would be able to. And if they can, by playing their veterans, it, you know, it's it's tough for the development, and I, I really think the Celtics could use some development from those guys. But, you know, credit where credit's due. The last two weeks, the Celtics have been the number two defense in the NBA, and that can't be ignored. You know Brad likes playing the vets. Like, that's yeah. – he, he loves that. I think he was forced to play the young guys the last couple of years, so he didn't really like that. But, yeah, Josh Richardson has been really, really solid, and they can't really send him further back in the rotation as of now. I agree I would like to see some of the younger guys get some – development but you can't really adjust it right now with the way Richardson has been playing yeah the we know what we have in Josh Richardson Emi Odoka really scared me when he said we know what we have in Jabari Parker then he <laughs> then he cut him and then brought him back so that was kind of a, a weird little stretch and but yeah played him a lot if they keep playing the vets right now they do have a good thing going defensively and it just makes their margin for error slightly bigger than it has been at least for the first couple weeks of the season my last takeaway here, kind of a funny one. I think sometimes, you know, obviously Brad, uh, Al Horford's had a great season so far, and he had a, a perfectly fine game last night. But you know what? You can't all be positives with every player all the time. Al Horford should not trash talk. It was very funny in the second half yesterday. He went up against Pascal Siakam. The ball, they kind of went out of bounds off Siakam, and Horford made this huge show of being like, give me the ball back. I got this little guy on my back. Give me the ball. Went into his move and just immediately got ripped by Siakam. Ball goes the other way. Raptors get a fast break. Siakam gets to yell at Horford as, as Horford is running back up the floor. Al Horford is such a good basketball player. He's been awesome this season. He is rejuvenated, but maybe he should leave the trash talking to people who are good at trash talking because I don't think Al Horford is. <laughs> we know who Al Horford is. We know what we have with Al Horford. It, 
he he is a father. He is not. <laughs> it is not trash talking. And Al Horford's been great, but that was a a rough little sequence for Al last night. Some players they've got it. They, you know they've got the gift of of uh, of yapping. You know I mean look like Montrez Harrell, one of the worst five defenders I've seen this season. But trash talk game is elite. Like he, he's got it. You know he's oh, he'll, yeah. he'll turn and flex at the Celtics bench, and Al Horford flexes on you, and it's like. All right, come on, Dad. <laughs> Al Horford does have funny sequences on the court. If you watch, if you're ever at a game and you just kind of focus in on him, sometimes he'll start to yell at a ref, and then the ref will say something, and he'll be like, "Yeah, you know what? You're right." He'll kind of pat him on the back and just sort of walk away. Whereas Jason Tatum is just obliterating these guys verbally, and yeah. Al Horford is like, "Yeah, you know, you made a good point. Good point. <laughs> okay, okay, okay." Yeah. <laughs> no, Al Horford's been great. As a dad, it's fun to make fun of him for being a dad sometimes. So. If that's what we're nitpicking, we're nitpicking his trash talk. Great sign. Al Horford really, has been fantastic really on season. the court. Really yeah. good season for oh yeah for Dad Horford. <laughs> All right, uh, Grenham. Before we go, uh, what, give me one quick takeaway from the start of college basketball season getting going here. Paolo Banchero is so good. He is. I liked him. I I think I love him. Very in on the Paolo train for sure. I'm about halfway into that game. I'm rewatching it. Like I was rewatching it right before we hopped on here. There's just some players who they have it, even in the little stints, they, they get it. You know, in the, the little bit I've watched so far, Paolo hasn't gotten the ball all that much, but every time he does, he does something productive with it. He attacks, he's been attacking the rim hard. His jumper looks pretty nice. And he's just a super athlete. There's a lot to like with him. I also watched uh, Tennessee's first game, which admittedly was against, uh, I think, uh, UT Martin. So not like a super strong opponent or anything, but I really enjoyed Kennedy Chandler and I really enjoyed uh, Brandon Huntley Hatfield. I never, I literally never watched him uh, before he, before he played and he was everywhere. He was so active, super athletic, super lanky. And I, I mean, Kennedy Chandler's fun. He's got, a he's lot of, really uh, good. I like I Kennedy guess, Chandler. He's going to, he's, he's really fun. He's going to have an NBA career. He's going to be a pro for sure. Um, and yeah, just a, just a fun player. So Tennessee is going to be very fun this year. They got a younger team and they're very fun. The top of the sec is going to be awesome with them. Arkansas, Kentucky, they have a really, really good group of schools up there. And I'm very excited. Auburn is good too this year. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm a big fan of what's, what's happening in the sec. I love Kentucky's team. Like, I know they don't have like a ton of like NBA guys necessarily, but like, mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've always been a big fan of Kellen Grady. I mean, he's from Boston, which is kind of, kind of cool. Um, yeah. But yeah, like, you know, when he was at um, Davidson, I always thought that he, there was something there and, you know, like, and then they actually have, you know, like Ty Ty Washington and stuff like they have, they have other guys too, but it's, it's going to be a fun team. It's going to be, I think you're right. The SEC is going to be really fun this year. It's just wild to me that Kentucky starts a season ranked 10th after having kind of a down year last year where this offseason they really hit the transfer market pretty hard and they did it well but if that's any other program with that crappy season last year they are maybe sniffing the top 25 at kentucky's 10 you know but i i'm excited to see how they pan out yeah and you you got your boys over at uconn were good huh very good granted it was against central connecticut but i think uconn is going to be a really, really tough team. They're going to push Villanova at the top of the Big East for sure. So I'm excited to watch them. There's going to be a lot more UConn talk this year than Providence talk because Providence struggled to beat Fairfield by seven in their season opener, and it was not pretty. So we'll see if there's some improvements, but it's not looking great in Rhode Island. 
Well, I'll tell you two people who will be glad to hear some UConn talk, and that is Nicole Yang and also my dad. So shout out to my dad. So. My dad as well. My dad's Geo Time listener, big UConn fan too. So he will be happy to hear some Sonogo, RJ Cole, Tyrese Martin talk. Hell yeah. Shout out to the Geno Time dads. All right, guys. We will leave it there. As always, appreciate you guys for listening. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you know where to find us. And we will talk to you all again later this week.